Love Yourself First podcast with me, Nicole Gordon. This week, I'm going to talk more about my mental health. I touched on it in the introduction, so I just want to give a wee trigger warning with this that there will be some talks about mental health, feelings of anxiety and depression. So if you're struggling, just reach out and contact your GP, seek help from a professional or reach out to your friends. Get right into it. We're going to get deep. My journey started from what I remember at about 11 or 12 years old. I always put myself down. I always had thoughts of not being good enough at anything I did, just not being worthy of life. Just I felt like I didn't belong. I felt like I shouldn't be here. I felt like I wasn't good enough at football, at Gaelic, at anything I'd done. I wasn't a good enough friend. I wasn't a good enough daughter. These thoughts always got me down and I found myself catastrophizing. So what this means is taking a situation and thinking the literal worst case scenario that was going to happen. So for instance, if someone didn't speak to me, then I did something wrong. They absolutely hated me. I remember back in school days, I always cared about other people's opinion. I always had to be seen to be doing well. I had to be the happiest in the bunch. I had to be the joke maker, the one that was always smiling, always helping other people, where deep down, I felt this deep sense of sadness. I felt like a cloud was over my head constantly and I didn't want anyone else to see this cloud. I didn't want to seem weak. I didn't want to seem, because it wasn't really talked about, I didn't want to seem different. So I couldn't understand my life because I had absolutely everything that anyone would ever dream of, like a loving family, good friends, a house over my head, loving parents and other people have gone through massive traumas in their life and sometimes that can be a trigger which is understandable but I more or less made myself feel guilty for feeling this way like I felt I shouldn't feel this way because I know of other people that have gone through deaths in their family and have it let's say worse off than me and I couldn't understand why I had these feelings of sadness when I had anything and I could have everything I wanted. I know that if I had asked my mum or dad for anything, if they had a thought, okay, it would have made me feel better, not that I did, then they would have got it to me a hunting like no bother at all. I remember back when I used to I would cry a lot. I would always be the sensitive one. So like if you were to ask my brothers or sisters, they would say that I was the emotional one. If they were there fighting I would be crying in the corner or I would be crying, telling them to stop fighting or stop arguing and I just would have been seen as an emotional person which is completely fine now but back then it was kind of a sign of weakness that I shown to only my family so like I used to have times that I would cry and cry over things that I wasn't good enough and I remember times that my mum would come and sit with me in bed whilst I cried and I knew she felt helpless and she didn't know what to do and I didn't want to speak to anyone and I didn't want to make a deal of it. And then I remember like it was like a tag team. My mum would get out of my bed and my dad would get in and they'd literally try console me and get me to breathe. At the time I had a boyfriend and I literally did everything I could to say push him away. Like I literally made him feel like I wasn't good enough and he had his own things going on in life and I couldn't understand why I felt the way I did. and. 
he was happy like and he was getting on in life and I wanted him to help me so I was like why can't you help me why can't you make me better why can't you make me okay like why can't you make me happy so I was putting my happiness in other people's hands I expected them to be able to tell me what was wrong with me it wasn't until things got really bad and this crying and this sense of sadness became part of my every day when I went out and about like I said I was the happiest person in the world from what people thought and people thought oh Nicole is everything she she is perfect and I've heard people say like oh you have everything you're so pretty you're so talented and you're so that and that would make me cringe like I hated compliments like anything anyone says good it was more or less like I would shut them down straight away I just didn't think that I deserved them I didn't believe that I deserved any ounce of happiness and I took this throughout my life. So finally, it all got a bit too much. I ended up going to the doctors and the doctors recommended me to this program called Jigsaw, which is a mental health organization that helps young teenagers. So I ended up getting like 12 sessions and it was in the local town. I remember every Tuesday, my mum would pick me up from school I would go and take off my uniform because I was scared that people would know that's who I was. I would try hide myself going in because I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to feel these feelings and I didn't want anyone to see me as weak. I would go in and confide and I would cry and I'd cry and it was as if I didn't want to get better. I didn't want, like I seen no light at the end of the tunnel. I just thought, right, this is it. It's going to come a time that I'm not going to want to be here and I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Every day I woke up, I just didn't want to be here, but I still had to put on a brave face and face the world. Got to the end and I was like, yeah, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. Yeah, I understand. I under I thought of my mum taking me up every Tuesday as a hassle for her and a burden. So I thought, right, Grand Nicole, just pretend everything's okay. Just get on with it and soon everything will be grand. You'll get on. Just, you're going to live your rest of your life sad uh, until things get too much, which is completely grand, Nicole. You can do it. Like, this is the kind of thoughts that would go in my head. I remember going back to the doctors and she, it was a, kind of like a routine check-in and she'd recommended going on tablets and I thought, no, this is the worst thing in the world. I did not want to be seen, seen as someone that had to take tablets for their head for their anxiety, for their depression, for the thoughts that was in their head. I thought, right, okay. At the time, that was the thing that they recommended. It wasn't really to talk to anyone or anything. It was, yeah, this is the medical term. This is what you're going to do. At the time, I remember, like, my parents being sceptical. Like, they didn't want me to go on tablets. Their own perception of being older and around, like, addiction to these tablets that more or less become reliable on these tablets every day. So I decided to give them a go and in fairness they worked. They worked in terms of, I'm not sure if it's a placebo or not, but like they say, if a placebo works, it works. So for a couple of weeks, yeah, grand. And then it got back then and the feelings and the thoughts started coming back in. And then I remember going back to the doctors and they tried to up the tablets and this was just becoming a routine. All them years are kind of like a blur of just being hopeless and getting on like getting on with my life like to look at me I was someone that had everything and I know that now but back then I thought I was the worst person in the world when I say worst person in the world I mean like I deserved nothing as I got older I heard of like more stories and stuff of people taking their own life unfortunately this became more or less an obsession with mine I thought about it every day life would be easier people would be happier everyone would live a better life if I wasn't with them and 
I wasn't here to be a burden and they wouldn't have to worry about me and like the world would be a better place. This was the thought I got in my head. At the time I shared these thoughts with my boyfriend and told him if he told anyone we would break up and that was it. (laughs) And when I think back that was such a selfish thing to put someone under but obviously I was just so scared that people would feel that way. So these thoughts became stronger and I remember my first year in college I took it upon myself to reach out to Jigsaw because I didn't want to get anyone else involved and I had an appointment with them. So I went to the appointment and I broke down like this was the end of the road for me. So I went to my appointment and I couldn't console myself. The people at Jigsaw seen me be on their help so they contacted Pieta House which is another mental health organisation and unfortunately there was no room there for me on that particular day. They didn't have any help for me so the people at Jigsaw recommended me to go up to a and I was in Letterkenny at the time next to the hospital and I was like yeah that's fine obviously <laughs> not as calm as I am now but I was like yeah that's grand that's grand so then I went outside got a car and went to drive home. It was then that my sister had got in contact with me saying that the people at Jigsaw had got in contact with her and she was coming to meet me to take me to a This was like a breach what I felt a breach of trust and I was raging and I went my thoughts on going to A&E was oh my god they're going to put me in a straitjacket they're going to take me in and keep me there forever so these kind of irrational thoughts led me to go to my go up to A&E and I went in and seen the nurse and kind of told her they kind of knew because people at Jigsaw ran rang ahead so they kind of knew my situation but the, the doctor then gave me some tablets again and I was I was able to put back on my mask so I was able to be okay. I went back down the house my everyone had heard everyone in my house had heard that's the kind of depths I was going to and obviously then I was more upset because everyone was worried so this was kind of an ongoing thing. No one really knew. I went then and there was a few friends that knew how I felt. There was one friend, Olivia, um, big shout out. She went through more or less everything with me. I remember telling her when I wasn't okay and like there was times she dr- drove to my house to make sure I was in my house and stuff and when I think back like that was massive. Like she would be I knew that she would be there in a flash if I needed her and I was glad to have that. And everything in the public health system was a bit slow so I feel like that's another podcast in itself um, which I will explain but so basically the public mental health services in Ireland is an absolute shambles. That's all I'm going to say for now about it. So then I went and seeked private help. So I got in contact with a counsellor. Um, her name's Tracy. Absolute gem. So I was doing really well with Tracy and she was helping me understand my thoughts and my feelings and putting everything into a different perspective which made sense but it still never stopped these thoughts coming through and I still kind of felt like my identity was depression. I would always, I couldn't see the end of the tunnel again and I felt like not this is what it was going to be like. So this is maybe living with this for 10 years. Um, It was very tiring and very draining and sometimes when I couldn't hold the mask up any longer I would peep out in certain circumstances and people would know. I remember one day Tracy had text to check up on me and I don't know 
how she knew in that moment, but things weren't okay. So I texted her and within 20 minutes she was with me. So she got in contact with my doctor and I ended up in Letterkenny Psychiatric Hospital. So my sister took me up and I didn't want to go in. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know. And because you have to sign yourself in, I didn't want to go in. I wasn't sure what to expect. My perception was that it was people would wheel you around in straitjackets and they would just fill you with tablets. So I ended up going into the hospital and I caught COVID. And when I caught COVID, I was put in a isolation room. So I was there for three days. I didn't have contact with anyone. Um, I didn't even get to go into the main ward, so I never met anyone. I kind of felt like a leper. So I experienced this all on my own. I was in a four by four bedroom. I there was drawings on the wall. There was it was just really disturbing. I cried and I cried and I just wanted to leave until the doctor came and kind of seeing how distressed I was. So I got to leave and I was no better off, probably worse. So I had just gotten out of hospital and I remember thinking, no, this is not for me. And when I say this is not for me, I mean life's not for me. So I got to the depths of despair. Like I got to the darkest place that I'd ever been or I was just ready not to be here. So I remember I was there and I remember a policeman came up to me and I had tears all down my face and he asked was I okay and the mask went up and I laughed and I joked and I said yeah and I remember England were playing in the World Cup and I said are you not watching the England game and he says no and he took my name and said that he had seen me and just that just checking was everything okay and right now when I think about it I'm I'm grateful for that policeman who was there but at the time I wasn't I was so angry so then I opened up to my sister-in-law who obviously informed my family and then that's when my whole family got involved. I remember my brother taking head of the house and being not not angry but upset and just unsure what to do so him and my sister give a bit of tough loving and they they recommended me go back up the road and just speak to the doctor who admitted me the first day so I was not for going like I was adamant that if I went up there I was not going back into that place I was as not I was staying as far away from there as possible they begged me and begged me and begged me and I told them that if I ended up going in, I would never speak to them again. This is my thoughts. I would never speak to them again. So I remember going up and speaking to the doctor and telling them of my horrible experience with having COVID and being in this isolated room. And he assured me it wouldn't be the same. He felt like if I went back in again, I would get the help that I needed. So after about half an hour of in and out of the room, discussing whether to go in or not. I decided to go in and my sister was there with me. I didn't speak to her. She tried to get hug me. She was she was upset. I was just angry because I said I would never speak to her again. So I was sticking to my gun. So I went into my room and I never spoke to her and I got taken into the small room. From there, I got directed into the main place where everyone was and it was just not a nice place. It was 
the garden was small. It was a small, like, because of the pandemic. I don't know what it would be like if the pandemic wasn't there, but, like, we were people, we were all tested. No one had the virus and there was no sessions. There was no group things. There was no anything. Like, it was just everyone to your own. Like, it was kind of more of a respite than anything. I was the youngest there by a good few years and was the last place I wanted to be. And obviously everyone has different circumstances. There was no real, like, one of the days I rem Like, there was no real help. Like, no, it's not like group sessions or group therapy or th even therapy itself. Like, okay, a doctor takes you in and checks up on you. I remember one day she took me in and I wanted to leave and I was crying. And they recommended that because I was so distressed that I would take a tablet to calm me down. And when she said to calm me down, I thought, right, they're coming at me with a syringe. <laughs> so I got more distressed and I ended up taking whatever was half of something anyway. And I remember going next door and sitting watching TV and next thing one of the patients were shaking me and was like, Nicole, you have, you have a visitor. And I had fallen asleep on a sofa watching a Gaelic match, which is not me. Didn't know how long I was out for. I then got brought into this small room and my family were standing outside the window. It was the most horrid experience of my life. Like, the window was open about five centimetres. I could barely touch their fingers. And I was crying. They were, like, it was just horrible and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. I then went, so I went back in and I managed to kind of a review. It's weird because if you want out, you're going to get out. Like, they can't hold you there against your will, but like, I wasn't getting any better and I wasn't going to get any better and I would love to have got better. Like, I would, like, it happened to be sunny at the time and I lay in the garden. The garden was about I don't even know the dimensions, but the garden was small and people were trying to get their 10,000 steps on the small garden, walking round and round and round. And it would have drove you mental, <laughs> pun intended. But I was there and like, there was a small room and it was like thousands of CDs, like discs with a wee radio. And I remember me and about three other patients were sitting in the room one night and we were pitting on. It was the middle of summer. We had Michael Bublé. Christmas album playing and one of the one of the men turned around and joked like oh my god they put us in straight jackets that they heard us listen to this like it was just like we were all kind of understanding where we were and why we were there but we kind of knew we wouldn't get any better like it was just kind of for doctors to check your tablets and make sure that they'd help you like it was it was just a shambles so finally I got out and nah wasn't any better so I went back to Tracy the star and who recommended me it was different levels of counseling and therapists and she passed me on to someone that she thought would be able to help me and this girl was in Straban Linda also queen and I decided to go so near enough every Wednesday I went up the road to Linda who just completely changed my way of thinking. For one second I seen a glimmer of hope. I wanted to get better. I knew that I was supposed to be here. Now I'm not saying I am a hundred percent. I have learned that everyone has their own experience with mental health and everyone deals with different situations their own way. I understand that just like my physical health, my mental health has to be worked at every day. And once you learn that, that you have to look after your mind as much as you look after your body and your health, then it becomes a bit easier. 
It's finding ways that work for you. So ways that work for me, I have implemented gratitude into my life. Everything I do, I'm grateful for. When I say everything, I mean everything. I get up in the morning and I start each day with a grateful heart. And as silly as it sounds, it works. I also have included positive self-talk and affirmations. Now, there's different types of affirmations. I don't expect you to go from absolutely hating yourself to thinking you're the best person in the world. But learning that you're trying every single day. I learn to eliminate negative people out of my life. People that bring you down. And you might think there's no one in your life that brings you down. But if you look closely there's always people in the background that love to see you fail so of course I have my bad days everyone has bad days but it's doing things for you I know that exercise works for me and it makes me feel better and some days I don't want to exercise and I don't want to get out of bed I don't want to be grateful but I take a few hours to myself and be able to reset like you might find joy in doing your makeup going for a walk going for a coffee but you have to do something for you i also learned that you need an inner circle so people that you trust and that you confide in and that have your best interest in heart so basically how i explained before a friend so i have a select amount of friends that i would trust it's like an inner circle or my, or my family. You need to have them people that you can reach out when you need them. And you may feel that you're a burden or you're annoying them or they have other things going on in their life. But put the shoe on the other foot. If you had friends, now friends that were experiences these kind of feelings and thoughts, would you not want to be the first one that was there for them? Regardless of everything you have going on in your life, I know that you would drop everything for them. And that's what a friend does. Like I said, I understand that every day is not going to be good, but there's going to be something good in every day. So just take each day at a time. You have to get someone to talk to, whether it's a professional. So maybe that's 50 euro a month. That's a couple of coffees in this, this day and age. Like put yourself first. That's one less jumper, one less new pair of leggings for the sanity and your own mental health like you have to prioritize yourself because materialistic things aren't going to make you happy branded names aren't going to make you happy having the newest of new everything isn't going to make you happy believe you me i know that it did take me a while to learn this now this is 12 13 maybe my whole life of learning but only in the last year i've got it i've learned it and it's going to be okay because not every day is going to be okay, but that's okay. So, and it is okay not to be okay, but you just have to accept it and be willing to work on yourself because you have to want to help you. Because I lay for so many days not wanting to help myself, wanting to make myself feel worse, feeling that that's what I needed to do in order to feed the thoughts that I had in my head, which none of them were true. Now, I know I'm not a bad person. I know I'm not a horrible person. I know that I'm not an unmannerly person. I know that my family and my friends love me. I know that I deserve the best in life and everything because I put that out to the world and you have to do that too. If you feel overwhelmed, reach out to anyone, a friend, a family member, a teacher, a teammate. Reach out to someone. The easiest thing you can do is just get it off your chest. Once it's off your chest, it's out there. You won't have to bring it up again because 
it'll be out there and that's just putting your best foot forward and getting you on the path to help and self-love there's nothing more important than loving yourself and I can't emphasize this and I had to learn the hard way but I'm grateful and now I'm practicing gratitude because I'm grateful for going through my experiences because if going through my experiences mean that I can help one or two people then so be it I'll I'll take it every day because I'm out the other end of the tunnel because I see the light but the light's not at the end of the tunnel the light's behind you just turn around because the light's behind you shining through that tunnel you are the bloody light so I just want to say thank you for listening to my story and I hope that you found some help or even got to know me a wee bit better and what I'm about but like I said reach out for help and I look forward to talking to you again sorry for the whirlwind of emotions I'm putting on myself but guys remember the most important thing is to love yourself first